0: This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. You're listening to a message by Pastor John Matthews. I want to just throw this out there. I'm going to give you guys a heads up, and that way you can mark it down, even though it's, I just want you to be able to mark it down. We've been trying we've had some things that have kind of given us some road bumps for we had a conference planned uh, for the upcoming year 2019. Last year, we had probably the most impacting conference we've ever had. It was called Reformers Gathering, and it was the first of its kind. And we had no idea the influence that conference would end up having. Um, just, it was so neat. We sold these t-shirts that say on the front of them, we still sell them. They're called, they say reformer across the front of them. And after the conference, I was seeing these t-shirts, no joke. I was seeing them on commercials on TV. I was seeing them on different ministers all on Instagram, wearing this t-shirt. And you begin to see that there is a hunger right now that we are not only limiting to what God's doing into the earth to reviving, but reforming. Okay okay all right let's try that again if we revive and don't reform we'll always just be needing another revival that's why so many people just live off revivals the problem is when revivals are built on sin we need sin to keep having a revival But see, we want to build something more than that. We want to build something that we see people being revived. And then once they're revived, what are you doing in the community? What are we doing in our culture? What are we doing in our families? What are we doing in society? What are we doing to reformation? That word is a reformation. What are we doing to reform culture to look like heaven on earth? And I don't want to just have revival services. Those are exciting. But there's a next step that's called reforming. And so, all right, I'm preaching from an announcement I was supposed to make. You're all holding your phones like, what were you going to tell me? See, this is what I do, and this is where I get in trouble. All right. April 26th, 27th, and 28th is looking like 99% this is going to be, we're doing Reformers Gathering again next year. And I've already lined up some speakers. I'm not going to tell you all of them, but uh, one of them I I'm really excited, I didn't think I could get it, and they jumped on coming. And you'll find out as soon as I get the for sure yes. So I'm gonna leave you hanging on that. Yeah, buddy, how do you? Ah, oh, feels good. Uh, so, <laughs> I can tell you that Bill Vanderbush will be here for sure. He'll be back, and, Um Bill, Bill loves this house, guys. He loves this house. What uh, are the dates Oh, you missed it, pal. You missed it. Ask your wife who missed his announcements back there. Uh, <laughs> April, 26, 27, 28. That, April 26th, 27th, 28th. April 26th to the 28th is going to be the potential dates. So mark them down. Last year we sold out, and we filled up, and uh, I expect to do the same this year as well. So we're just waiting to confirm a couple things, but I wanted to let you know. It's so April 26th through twenty-eight. You should be there. You know the great thing about last year is we didn't really define what the conference was. We had people from, I mean, every Every denomination you could imagine showed up for this because they didn't know what it was. Right? You know, you hear the word Reformation, it's so broad. I didn't plan it that way. I really didn't. He said, sneaky. I just, I had people coming up to me saying, We've got all these, you know, Presbyterian folks and Baptist folks and Pentecostal folks, and all these different, none of them know what the conference is, but they all paid and came. That shows that people are hungry for a change. And so that's actually what I'm going to talk about for a few minutes this morning. I'm going to kind of lay a foundation today, and I don't think I'm probably going to go super deep, but I can't promise. If you call this place your home, this church your home, or if you're just visiting this morning, one of the things that um, we have a, a real passion to do is to challenge your understanding of the goodness of God. And, and one of the things that we want to do is we want to get a clearer picture of who God is. One of the things that's hard is that we've so many times we've grown up our whole life, we've grown up with these filters and we've been taught things and we've learned things and so often they're not accurate representations of God. And it's challenging when they get challenged. And so I'm gonna, I'm, I am going to challenge you right off the topic, especially if you're newer to this church. I'm going to try to take the month of December I'm not going to say I'm preaching a series, because as soon as I say that, I won't preach the next sermon, but I'm going to take the month of December and focus it on a topic of revealing the Father, because that's what this whole Christmas season is about. Jesus came to earth with the purpose of revealing the Father, and so that's what we're going to take, kind of the month, and today I just want to throw out some, we're going to kind of lay the concrete this morning, and... um, just, just give me like three weeks if, this is your, if you're like, hey, I'm new. Just give me a few weeks, okay? Give me a few weeks to try to lay this out because I think we're going we're gonna to probably stretch some of you out this morning, but just stick with me. So open up your hearts with me, okay? Father, we just love you so much. Father, we are hungry and we are expecting of great things. If you're hungry I just want you to tell them, Lord I'm hungry for you I'm expecting something great today help me out this morning Lord we are coming together as a family that wants to encounter a good father the king of all kings and the Lord of Lords and father we ask that you would open our hearts even the areas that maybe are a little tough to kick the door open but open our hearts to the goodness of you this morning in Jesus name if you're excited say amen. amen okay so, we celebrated earlier this morning communion. And for when we read Luke chapter 22, verse 19, we talked about the topic of a better covenant. The thing that we have to understand is for there to be a better covenant, there had to have been a lesser covenant. It's really important that we just understand that right off the top. It couldn't have been better if there was something as good or better before. It's not your question, I promise. It's really simple it's better. It's better than what it was before, and that we no longer live under what there was before. And so one of, the, one of the habits that we have in the body of Christ is we have a bad habit of looking at Old Covenant scriptures without using the lens of the New Covenant. This is important. I got I to wiggle through some scripture this morning, so just hang there. I'm not going to say I, I, I'm not going to say obviously nothing in the Bible is wrong. So we're not going there. But there are things in the Old Covenant in the Old Testament that they didn't understand like we do because the Son had not come and revealed the Father yet. Yeah. And so one of the things that we could say about the Bible, I'm sure you could I've heard so many great, great uh, definitions of what our Bible is, right? One of them that I don't think is that great is is some people call it a a manual for life. My problem with calling it a manual for life is the idea of a manual is that you need it because the creator is not present to help you. That's why I need a manual. If I had the creator sitting next to me say, well, do that, 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 ah, I got it, da, 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 a manual would say he's not around, so I need this because he's not here to help me. I don't think it's a real accurate representation of Emmanuel, but I get the thinking of that. One of the things, though, I would say is that the Bible is actually a journey of mankind understanding the goodness of the Father. I believe it's a journey of mankind that they have walked this journey where in the very beginning, they understood his goodness. Adam and Eve got it in the very beginning. But then, you guys know your Bible. Sin came in. And from that point until all the way over here at the cross, there was a journey happening with mankind of trying to understand the goodness of the Father. And so when we look at scriptures that are in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, it's like for me to say, okay, take my daughter. I've got a six-year-old little girl. I'm not going to ask her how to drive the car. Adeline Ad- Ad- How would you exactly drive the car? Now, my six-year-old would probably tell you how to drive the car because she's like leadership quality, man. But she, she, I'm not going to get mad. Adeline, come on. You don't know that? I'm not going to talk to my daughter. Wait a minute. You don't understand how, why? Because she's not in that place in life yet where she has come into a revelation of how to drive a car. People in an old covenant had not yet had the son walk on the earth and they had not yet had a revelation of who the father is. So it's not what they say is wrong. It's that they haven't come into a place in life yet where they understand it. The problem is, is if you create your theology and your understanding of the Father based on a people that had yet to have a revelation of who he is. Oh, boy. All right. You're you're with me. I know you are. I can feel it. You're with me. I, we, have, we have to get this because it's, if so many people come to me, and I'm, I'm really good about it. I just usually smile and nod. That's, that's how I roll. Because people pull out these really like out of context scriptures that are not a part of the new covenant, which is what we live inside of, and they're throwing them around. And I get it. Most of the time we don't understand it. But if that's your understanding of the Father, man, that's tough. And there, there's this thing, he, the whole purpose of Jesus was to come and reveal the Father. To reveal him to a people that, that didn't know him. They knew about him. They had prophecies, but they not had a revelation of who the Father was. And, and the reality is, is much of the Old Testament is, is, if you read it, it's a question that Jesus was the answer. They were asking questions about this, this God, and then Jesus shows up, and he's the answer to the questions that they had. If you're with me, say amen. <laughs> and here's the thing. They had all of these concepts. We, we often have concepts of who God is. We pick up these concepts. We pick up these ideas of this is who God is. A lot of times, your concept, your viewpoint on God is often Um, formed by who your earthly dad is. If you've had a hard situation with your earthly dad, that's why inner healing is so important, because we try our best to come along and say, we can't put God into that filter. Because, yeah, they may have messed up, but that's not him. But there's there's a filter in how you see God. It's based on your earthly dad. A lot of people don't know this. How you see the Holy Spirit is very often connected to your mother. What's the Holy Spirit er Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit. Or. Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's how we do it in the South. What's the Holy Spirit or? Um, <laughs> What's <the? laughs> Holy Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a peace a comforter. So often, not always, but so often, the mother is the one that kids run to when they need comfort and peace. But when you've got a bad relationship with mom, guess what gets a really bad? You get this filter on. Holy Spirit. And so there's so many things that could, it it doesn't have to be parents. It could be preachers. It could be teachers. It could be a Sunday school when you were five years old that scared you every time she talked or he talked. It could be anything that we picked up filters of who God is. And it's the things that are revealing to us. And here's what can happen is they're picking up their revelation from who the Father is in a covenant where they had yet to have a revelation of who the Father was. They hadn't had one yet. You see, our journey as a children of God is to get a revelation of who He is, and release it. But we get these concepts, we get these, we we get these these viewpoints of who God is, and we hold on to them. I mean, mankind has literally proven that they're willing to kill the Son of God to keep their concepts. I, I mean, think about that. They literally. Killed the Son of God to hold on to their concept of who God is. I mean, these people had been waiting for hundreds of years for the Messiah to come. He's right in front of them. He's there walking their streets. But because he didn't come like they thought, they had the idea that he was going to come and overturn kingdoms and all this. And, you know, he's doing it in the spirit realm. It's happening. But it wasn't, it wasn't who they thought he would look like. And so here he comes, he comes in and he's, he's you know, we, we read the Christmas story uh, on Friday night at the Christmas lighting and, and he comes in and he's, he's wrapped and he's in these strips of cloth and he's, he's, there's this meek, humble entry into the world. They weren't looking for that in the Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah to come down from heaven and shake the place up. Like, physically, like, destroying the kingdoms of the world. That's what their eyes were looking for. We can be the same way if your eyes are looking for something that's not him. He can stand in your face and you don't see it. Because your eyes are looking for something else. And I sit with people sometimes and I stand... And I can tell they're, they're, they're so ingrained with what they're looking for in the king, and he's right here. but because he's not coming and coming in with a whip and judgment, but he's coming in as a father with arms wide open, I've had people, it's like they don't even like God's in the church. Where's all the message on sin? I don't have to teach people about sin. It's pretty natural, you'll figure it out. If there's one thing I've learned. I don't have to teach people how to sin. And I don't have to always talk about it. One of the greatest pieces of preaching advice I'd ever heard was Bill Johnson. He said, what you preach is what you get. He said, if all you ever preach on is sin, all you're going to have is a church full of people that sin. He said, if all you ever preach on is sons and kings and priests and friends of God, guess what you'll have a church full of? Sons and daughters and kings and priests and friends of God. So how we see him. This is why I want to get into this piece about revealing the Father because how we see him is so huge in how we walk through life. When we worship, it's hard to come in and open up our heart and be tender and open to a God that we think is going to send us to hell if we mess up. I'm not exactly open with people that I think are going to like rip me apart. I don't come in and just open up my heart. And let me just tell you all about me so you can just rip me Like they're meat grinders, some people. And it's like, I'm not going to come in and just open up. But what would make us think that we want to come into the presence of God and just open up to a God that we think he's going to rip us apart? You see how everything is connected to your view of who he is? That's why Jesus, it was so important. He said, "You you have to reveal me. How you worship, how you read your Bible, how you pray, how you live, how you do marriage—it's all affected by how you see the Father. And so we're taking on this topic. I'm taking it. We've been taking it on, like storming it on, on like this better covenant. It's good. It's good. And I'm not trying to hold on to the old. I'm trying to understand what I have. And it's a continual revelation. And one of the things we have to put down is our concepts of God if they're not rooted in who he really is. The actual, the actual definition of concept is a notion or an idea. We're not going to be an effective church if we just have a notion or an idea of who God is. We have a lot of churches filled with people who have a notion of who he is or an idea of who he is. They don't know who he is the challenge is when he shows up and he's really good at this when he shows up and he challenges our view on God he'll do it to you he does it to me all the time (laughs) I wish I could say I'm there I hit it I'm good for life He loves to come in. When you open your heart, he loves to come in and say, oh, I'm going to challenge this area. And all of a sudden, you've been rock solid, and God is this. And he comes in and says, am I really? And you can hear it in his voice. Oh, got that wrong. There are preachers that have publicly apologized and repented for having misunderstandings of who he is. There are people that have written books that have put them out, and after they wrote a book, they came into an understanding of who he is and had to go back and say, I'm sorry, I even wrote this book. And I admire people that can do that. I, hats off, man. Some people are like, well, they don't really know God. Oh, don't even go there. Don't even go there. I have such a high admiration in my heart for somebody that can say, I messed this up, and I acknowledge it, I didn't get this one right. And there's something about this journey, it's just continual in knowing who God is and a revelation of who he is. And he will show up and he will challenge what we believe, and then we have a choice to make. Change what we believe, which is repentance, by the way. <laughs> it's not a prayer just at the end of the service, right? You do get repentance means change. Repentance prayer isn't even really a biblical term. Repent. Oh boy. I just stirred up the, the hornet's nest in the south. Don't you knock in my repentance prayer. I've said it before. Repentance often starts with a prayer, but it has to be followed by change. I can lead people through a prayer of repentance, which is a kickoff to repentance, but there has to be change. Or all I'm doing is having prayers with people where they repent and they go right back to where they were. And that's how we don't have disciples, because we're not changing. So when we get this revelation of who God is, when he speaks to our heart, we have a couple options. We have the option one to change the way we think, which is repenting. Or we can go back and decide to just keep believing what we've been believing and close off our hearts. And what happens when you close off your hearts? The last place you closed it off is where your understanding of God ended. Why do you think some people, their understanding of God is still rooted in what was the overall understanding of the, i will try not to go too deep. Some people are still rooted in a place where maybe take a movement, take the 70s, I don't know, take the 80s, take the Jesus people movement. You know, all these different movements. Some people never opened their heart back up and the last revelation they have of the Father stopped there. And that's still what they have. But here's the reality. He always is revealing himself. Every generation thinks they've got it. The generation after me will have it better than I have it. That's the purpose. It's a continual revelation. That's the danger. And when people read stories about generals of God and they were doing mighty powerful things, and then you see how they act. If I were to take some of the people, some of the greatest men and women of God in our storybooks and put them on this pulpit, the whole church would be offended. I'm, I'm really serious. Like if I were to take some of the Smiggle, uh, Smigglesworth, I'm like getting my, my words. This is like Smigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth, AKA Smigglesworth. Mm. If I were to take some of these guys and stand them on this pulpit, they would empty the whole building. Why? Because their understanding of the Father was where it was for the time they lived. And we honor it because that's what we get to build on top of. And then we get to build up here. It's not that it was wrong. It's what they knew. But some people look back and they say, well, they had it figured out. So let's go back and pick back up their understanding of God. All of a sudden, we've got a really divisive group of people because we've thrown out everything God's been speaking. If we allow him, God will confront our perceptions of him. It is a good thing. I got to get that across. It is a good thing that he will confront our perceptions of who he is. To think our perceptions of God never need to change is to believe that we know everything about God. to to believe that our perception of him never needs to change is saying, I've got it all figured out. The problem with that is is there's some scriptures in Revelation that talks about the angels and the cherubims and the seraphims and they surround his throne and they say, holy, holy, what happens? They see a new side of him. Holy, holy, what happens? They see a new side of him. Holy, all eternity he is showing them a new side and they go, holy, holy. We're always seeing a new side. Most arguments in the church are from two different people seeing two different sides of God. Well, I see the holiness of God. Well, I see the love of God. I see the justice of God. Justice and love people have a hard time. (laughs) It's true. Because they tend to forget that he's all of them. He's not a just king outside of love. And he's not holiness outside of justice. He's all of them. And people fight because that's what they've seen of God. What would it be, though, if we would open our heart to when someone comes in and say, I've seen this side of God. Let me tell you a little bit about it. I've I've experienced the love of God. And all of a sudden, your heart begins to Open. Because he loves confronting perceptions of who he is. Thank you, Jesus. Why is this so important? I said this last week, and I'm going to try to tie this in as quick as I can. Heaven was never meant to be just a destination for us. Heaven was always meant to be for us a model, right? Right? It was always meant to be a model. The, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And in the passage, he makes this really, really core foundational remark. He says, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, well what's the deal? You see, this, this, this phrase is like the foundation of apostolic ministry. Like this, this phrase right here, on earth as it is in heaven, is the foundation of an apostolic ministry. If you don't understand what an apostolic ministry is, really quick, like one minute history lesson. Apostle, the word came from the Romans when they would send out an armada of ships. They would send out this whole armada of ships. The lead ship in the front was the armada ship. Apostle ship, apostle ship. That's why I need a wife, she's really great. She's like, nope, got that one wrong. <laughs> it's all right between the two of us we got a pretty good sermon she's like nope yeah that's it the first ship in the front you've got the apostle ship what's the point of this ship the point of this armada of ships is that when the romans would way would conquer a new land they would take this armada of ships they would send them into this foreign territory why because they wanted it to feel like rome And what they would do is that these ships would go in there and they would introduce the road systems, their school systems, their language, everything. Why? Because when the king set foot in a new land, they wanted it to feel like home. Okay, there's your your history lesson on the word apostle, where it came from. Now that you've got that, you guys, the father said, on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because when he comes and steps foot, he wants it to feel like home. Your job in an apostolic ministry is that we go into land that was, that was taken by the enemy. We take it back, and we say, all right, now that we did that, Matthew, whatever that is, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, on earth now as it is in heaven, now we need to take the kingdom that our Father knows is home and bring it down to this area we've conquered. And when he shows up on a Sunday morning and walks through this room, this feels like Home. This feels like home. But here's the thing about all of this is that our, our how we see the father is so huge. Because how we see the father is how we see the king. And your, how you see the king is going to represent the kingdom. So if you think he's a really, really, you know, harsh, controlling, mean king, well, then the whole kingdom must be full of harshness and control see how you see the king represents the kingdom your interpretation of the kingdom is based on who the king is and if you have a bad idea of who the king is how can we advance the kingdom how can we represent him well the word how can we represent him well see how it goes everywhere this filter of Jesus this filter of the Father. And here's the beauty of the Bible. You get to know the end of the story before you read any of it. You get to read what Jesus did. You get to know what he did. And then you get to read it. We should read it through the context of, like Mikey said, we've won. If you go back and read in the Old Testament things without the context of we've won, it's scary. It's scary. There's a lot of scared people when they read it without knowing you've won. But when I come in knowing I've won, I'm his son, I'm good. Yeah, I got to face things, I got to face trials, but you know what? I've won. I'm just, well, then what are you fighting for? I'm enforcing the victory I already have. I enforce it. We're victory enforcers. Call it that. That's your new word for some of you that won't like like, you really like like spiritual warfare. Change your word. We're victory enforcers. That's what we're doing. We're fighting and bringing victory in and enforcing what's already been won. You're not fighting to win. That was done. He can't win it any more on the cross than he already won it. To say that we still have to win means he didn't complete it on the cross. We have to enforce what he already won. Come on. That's, Jesus is, I'm telling you, he's speaking on that one. Jesus. The beauty is that we know the end. The filter we have, the filter that we look through, the filter that we need to use for everything with the Father is Jesus. He's perfect theology. He's a perfect understanding of who God is. He only did what he told him to do. He only said what he told him to say. That's what he did. He said what he was saying. I'm telling you, so many people would need less counseling if they just don't say what Jesus is not saying. I've never sat down with someone in counseling and said, oh, I bet Jesus says that. Rarely is the case. You're not echoing Jesus, typically. You are echoing. But we can echo the Father or we can echo darkness. The thing about when you echo darkness is then you empower and give it authority. All right. We're moving fast. Put it this way. Anything that you think is God, anything that you think is God, and you don't see it in the life of Jesus, is something you should probably question. Any view that you have of the Father that you can't find in the life of Jesus is something you should probably question because He perfectly represented the Father. Perfectly. There was no mistakes. There was no, oops, but there was that one day. Yeah, I remember, yeah, that one. It's <laughs> none of those. He was perfect representation of the Father. He came to reveal the Father. I'm telling you, this is what we're celebrating at Christmas. We're celebrating that heaven sent the Son. Can you imagine? I, I often wonder what it was like in heaven at this point, right? You know, God's up there like, I am really tired of being misunderstood. I mean, really, he's up there. Nobody gets me. Everybody credits me for the bad stuff. Nobody credits me for the good stuff. We still do it. Well, Jesus sent that fire. Because <laughs> he's, you know, obviously he doesn't love his kids in California. So he sent that fire, even though when he told his disciples, and they said, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven? He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. So next time someone says that the fire is sent from heaven, it's going to be hard to line that up with his, person, with his character from when he told the disciples, that's not from me. Don't do that. All right. But, mm. but he's in heaven. He's looking down saying, just nobody gets me. I mean, serious. It's like he's... No one, they credit me for all the bad. No one credits me for the ocean, the waves, the trees, the flowers, the things that everybody enjoys. Somebody said sushi. That's questionable. That's all I'm saying. It's questionable. My wife just got hit by the glory. She's... That's questionable. (laughs) It's questionable. Anyways, back on point. He's up there and the father is saying nobody under, they don't, they're not getting me. Okay, so Jesus, son, I'm going to send you and I'm going to, I need you to go down there and I need you to perfectly reveal me to them. You're going to walk into an earth that they should all recognize you, but they're not. I'm going to send you there because I need you to reveal me. And so what's he do? He sends his son. That's what what all this is about, right? It's all Christmas is about. It's the son being sent to reveal the father, to break the power of sin. And he brings this message of the father is good. He's good. They only knew him at that point. They didn't have another. They had no other way of knowing him outside of the covenant they were in. That's why it's so cool to me. We find certain people in the scripture that were beginning to, like, I don't know how to explain it, except for they were getting, like, glimpses of who he was inside of a covenant where no one understood it. David was one of those guys. He was getting these glimpses of who the father was before he'd been revealed. That's amazing. David was a passionate lover of God. Isn't it interesting that it was a it was a boy who worshipped in a field? That was the criteria for someone that was going to lead a nation and get to see pe- these glimpses of God before it was time. He was a worshiper. More can happen in worship. In a Sunday morning, I was singing this morning, and God just so simple. He spoke to me. I I sing like random stuff during worship. If you stand around me, you could hear really random stuff because I just sing what the Father puts in my heart. And I just sung this one line. I sung, a whole lifetime of pain is gone in a moment of your presence. And it hit me. Yeah, we all know that, right? We say, but really think about it. An entire lifetime of pain in a moment in his presence can be erased. It hit me. And David, that's why he was qualified for greatness. He was a worshiper. He stood in a field. When they came to find someone to slay Goliath, they didn't even bring him in. Talk about an insult that day. brings all of his brothers in and they leave him in the field. Looking for who's going to defeat Goliath. Here they are. Lines them up. No, 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 no. Is this it? There's David, you know, always playing his guitar in the field. Twinkle toes out there doing his thing. Bring him in. That's it. Why? Because he carried something that only worshipers carry. I can spot a worshiper when I run into them in hard situations because they know God in ways that people that aren't worshipers don't know him. Because who you worship is who you look like. When I get around people that worship the Lord, I feel it. I feel it when I get into a hard situation, the people that are worshipers are just, they know he's that good. They know he's that good. They're not challenged by it. David was a man after God's own heart. What a what a What a title. A man after God's own heart. The only one that ever got that title. And I've heard it interpreted two ways, but one of my favorite ways, the one we all know is he was passionately pursuing God. But I heard Bill Vanderbush say one time, he said, what if it was more like how my son takes after me? My son looks like me. He, if my wife, whenever something happens, she's like, Adeline is just like you. <laughs> all good, of course. And, and, and then, but, but oh, she takes after you, Right. Wow, she takes after you. Just, just what if David was a man that took after his father's heart? He looked like him. How, how? Why? Because you can't worship him that much and not start taking after him. Best discipleship program ever is worship a lot. I'm not saying it's the only one, but the best one I know is worship a lot. Because you will become like the one you worship. Worship him, and worship with songs that are not really depressing songs. (laughs) Some songs are so like, oh, man, that's not very victorious, you know? (laughs) That song at the end, you know why the "The room lit up? My hallelujah. Nothing can take my hallelujah. It lit up because we were becoming like the one we were worshiping. He is victorious. Jesus, I'm almost done. This is just a foundation, by the way. It's a strong foundation. We're going to build a big building on this foundation. David was that way. I know I'm not giving you a lot. I'll try to give you some scripture references. We're flying through this. John chapter 2, verse 1. Let's just read that one. John chapter 2, verse 1. It's one of my favorite scriptures. John Chapter 2, verse 1, messes with a lot of people's understanding of God. It said, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. Everybody say, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Anyone see a breakdown in this passage? Jesus, well, first of all, Jesus says, woman, my hour has not come. There's definitely a cultural change since then. If I spoke to my mom that way, my, my hour would have come, trust me. <laughs> woman, but Jesus says, woman, my hour has not come. All the good Southern boys in the room just shut down after they hear that word. <laughs> he says, my time has not yet come. And she says, do whatever he says. I kind of feel like Jesus is probably like, okay. Now, wait a minute, because this completely throws off the, well, God willing card that we all use. Well, I would love for that to happen, you know, Lord willing. Well, wait a minute. The Lord's will said it's not my time yet. <laughs> I'm not going to go too deep in this or I'll really get in trouble. But then his mother says, "Well, wait a minute. Go ahead and do that." Now I could really try to go in territory. I'm not qualified to go in in theology, but I know this much: He makes room in His will for you and me. It's the best way I can say it: is He makes room in His will for His children and their opinion. The best way I can say it is that people, well, wait a minute. I thought God was calling all the shots. If you believe God's calling all the shots, that's depressing because that means all the bad things going on, he's calling the shots. You see why people, people that we've, we've grabbed these, these, these phrases and people think, well, God calls everything, but wait a minute. You want to know the, one of the biggest questions I answer from people that aren't Christians. If God's good, why does he do so much bad stuff? Here he is again, sitting in heaven. Why am I getting credited for all the bad stuff that I didn't do? I'm letting that one sit a minute, because we do this. Well, God's controlling everything. Well, then why would he tell us we need self-control? If God controls everything, that takes away the responsibility of self-control, so that's the easy way out. You know how I see it? And this is how I see it. I see a God who is guiding us. He wants us to go to a certain place, and he's guiding us. He's guiding his kids. But he's not. You know what? What happens? They take us. Sometimes we take a step off the journey. It's not his heart. Yeah. And he'll wait right there until you come back. Yeah. And you can go off and do your little wild thing, and then, oh, that didn't work. Coming back. All Controlling God would have you by the collar and would force you down that journey. And some of you, that's your representation of a father. But he's guiding. He's guiding us. Mary, he said, no, it's not time yet. Have you thought about Mary? Have you thought about the position she was in? Have you thought about that she knew from the moment she was pregnant with him that he was coming to destroy all of the sin on the earth? Have you thought about she'd waited 30 years at this point? Sometimes I hear people like, well, you know, God called me, and it's been like 18 months now. And here's Mary, 30 years of carrying a promise that her son is the Messiah. 30 years of stewarding a promise, 30 years of holding this thing, saying everywhere, imagine everywhere she went, she saw the fingerprint of sin, and she knew, my son is the answer. But 30 years, nothing happened. Mama hit her point. (laughs) She was at a wedding. All right wait 30 years, it's time to do a miracle. It's not time yet. Do what he says. Disciples are like, listen, all right, I'm obviously having some flexibility with this verse at this point, but they're like, we're listening to her, and we're, we're, we're going to get the barrels and bring them back to you. He does the miracle. Why? Because she had a relationship with him that what she said was a part of what he was gonna do. He wasn't this, I'm stuck on this, I'm not moving. He welcomed her into it. It's hard to explain. I would be one of the questions when I get to sit before God and say, could you really break this one down for me? There's a few of those. That's a big one. Could you break this down for me? I'm gonna bring it to a close, guys. Mary stepped right in into the middle of God's will and pulled on the heart of Jesus. Let's end with this. You see, we see this passage in Psalms, chapter 67. It says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all the nations. This is so cool. Again, glimpses of a new covenant. There was a glimpse of something coming. He understood the goodness of the Father. Let your face shine upon us so all the world will know that you're good and come into relationship with you. Our responsibility is where I'm going to land. Here's where I'm going to challenge you this week. Our responsibility is simple. Look at the face of the Father. Let his countenance shine upon you. Connect with him. That's it. We see it with Moses, don't we? Remember Moses, he said, I know we get into, we, we, we get like, God's goodness people and then God's glory people. Can I blow your world? They're the same thing. (laughs) Moses said, show me your glory. Remember that scripture? Goes up the mountain. Moses is my kind of guy. He goes up. He says, all right, God, just show me your glory. I'm the only one that came up. Show me your glory. What's he do? It says he, he puts him... This is so crazy. He puts him into the cleft of, yeah, cleft of the rock. He puts him into this area. He covers his face while he walks by. And then he, he takes his hand off once he's by, and he sees just the passing backside of God. And it said that all of his goodness passed before Moses. What are you praying for when you say, God, send your glory? You're saying, God, send your goodness. If your definition of glory is not rooted in goodness, it's not accurate. I'm going to show you an example and we'll close on this. Tiffany, come on up here a second. Andy, let's do this real quick. Kill all the house lights and the Christmas tree. Oh wow, that was like done. I wanna this is really simple. Tiffany just standing where you stand normally. I want to show you here's here's what we do. I was thinking about this while I was preparing. When we're not connecting, he said, Let your countenance shine upon me, so that everyone will know by what I carry that you're good. When we don't understand, when his countenance is not shining upon us, let's do, let's do the, the rear one first. Okay, Andy? Let's see if we can do this. We never even practiced this. That's what you've got. It's cool, right? But <laughs> we've got people that are walking that his countenance is there, but it's not. You see, our face was created to shine with a countenance. And then the countenance that we carry is good. And it draws the nations. And he said to him, he said, Moses said, Listen, show me your face. The only scripture where Moses' face shone with the glory of God was when he saw the goodness of God. Go ahead and do the front one, (laughs) Andy. You're so pretty, girl. You understand, in a darkness, I mean, look, how can you not? Where does your eye go to? What is the light radiating off? It's where, it's where your eyes go. It's what you focus on. What do you think it means when in the in the scripture it says, then the glory of the Lord will cover the earth? All right, let's hit that one last. And the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. It's not a prayer and then some cloud and thing goes in the earth, you carry His glory. As the earth begins to experience the, the countenance of the Father, as the sons and daughters begin to shine, the glory of the Lord covers the earth. That's what it means. We've got it wrong if we're just praying that He'll do something. He already did it. He died. He rose from the dead. He has put you in a new covenant that says, now just let my face shine upon yours. And from that, the, the earth will be drawn to me. You can turn the regular lights on, Andy. You can, thanks, babe. It's that simple. It's, it's, I'm, I'm telling you, we've, we've done the best we know how, but we can get on our knees and we pray, Lord, send the glory of the Lord on the earth, and he's saying, look at me and reflect me that's it well lord you don't know how bad i am he's not looking at that he's looking at his son and his daughter he's saying just shine just shine My last scripture John 17 verse 18 he says as you sent me into the world I have sent them into the world here's my challenge to you guys as we come into the Christmas season represent him well represent him well I challenge you to challenge yourself on your understanding of his goodness. Challenge yourself. You know how many times I ask the Lord, is this really a good representation of you? I ask him all the time. Am I representing you the best I could here? Ask him. Let's stand up. I tried to lay, and I'm not 100% sure where we'll go with all of this, but I do feel like I just wanted to take the next two or three weeks to, just to go after revealing the Father. And I'll probably, I, I hinted at things about the covenants and all that, and, and, and it's so hard to talk about those without going super into deep teachings, and I know that Sunday morning platform is not usually the best way to do that, but I'm going to try to just bring more and more clarity to it, because people have questions. If God's good, then why does he do this? If God's good, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he did that in the Old Testament, explain that. These are questions that we need to have answers to. And I'm telling you, he's so tired of being credited for things that were not his heart. I want to be people that credit him for everything that's him. Amen. Right. I, that's what I want to do. So, Lord, we just, right now, we open our hearts to you. Let's do this at the end, all right? Let's, we open our hearts to you. While we're praying, I want to have the the uh, prayer team. I, I'm hoping we have some members here this morning. So, if we have prayer team, come on up, guys. Um Lord, right now, we just, we stand before you, and we ask, you have to do this, guys. Ask him to begin to reveal himself to you. Even ask specifically, Lord, begin to show me areas that I have not seen you clearly. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how much scripture you have memorized or read, this goes for all of us, there is always more of him. There is always more of him. The same goodness that Moses just caught, just caught the end of you passing by. And when it came down, his face just glowed with goodness. You see, that wasn't in, I could go through this all day, but he wasn't in a new covenant. You guys, you are. You get to come before his throne boldly, the Bible says, and say, Father, show me your face you get to see the face. You get to see His face. We want to represent you well. As we come into this Christmas season and so, so much stuff going on, we want to represent you well. I pray that right now you would begin to open our hearts. that's what He wants. Come on, everybody in this room, can say it to yourself or you can say it out loud. Just say, Father, reveal yourself to me, reveal yourself to me. It's a simple prayer with a massive response. Re- reveal yourself to us. Don't be afraid to let Him challenge things that have been things you've seen for years. That's part of living a life of repentance. So we're always changing. We're always becoming more like the one who created us. You want to know what his thoughts over you are? They haven't changed since the very first book of your Bible. He created man and said they're good. He hasn't changed that. He still thinks you're good. So, Father, I release. Here's that thing I felt this morning on impartation. Here's where it is. I was wondering where it would come in. I'm going to release an impartation of the Father's love and an impartation of a revelation of who the Father is. So, if you would, just put your hands out if you're comfortable doing that, like you're receiving something. And in Jesus' name, right now, I just, in the Spirit, I release an impartation, a revelation, an understanding of who the Father is. WE RELEASE IT IN THE ROOM, WE RELEASE IT IN THE ROOM. NOW YOU JUST just SIMPLY SAY, I JUST RECEIVE IT, I RECEIVE IT. THANK YOU, FATHER, THANK YOU, FATHER. THIS MORNING IF, IF YOU, WE HAVE A TEAM UP HERE THAT CAN PRAY WITH YOU THAT IS, THEY CAN PRAY OVER ANYTHING, IF IT'S A HEALING, PHYSICAL, they can just stand with you, believe with you, declare life over you. They're ready to join with you. So if you need anything, I'm going to have you. Feel free to come up to anyone on the front and have them pray with you. Otherwise, I do bless you. I bless you as you go your way this week. We do, as, as the scripture said in Psalms, we bless you that his face would just shine on you. Shine on you that everywhere you go, that people would be drawn to the goodness of the Father because they've seen his face through your face. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.